Let us now prepare for a reading of the Scripture as I utter the prayer of illumination. Let us pray. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept Your Word. Silence in us any voice but our own, Your own, that hearing we may also obey Your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our readings this morning both come from the New Testament. The first will be the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 11, and the second will be Romans chapter 7. So I'll begin with the reading of Matthew, the Gospel according to Matthew. And this is a reading that's important to understand the character of the Gospel and its presentation as of Jesus as both sage and wisdom incarnate or in the flesh. Jesus offers this revelatory wisdom that is hidden from conventional wisdom and yet revealed to, of all people, infants. Jesus, the true sage, is the only one who can truly reveal the Heavenly Father. This passage is Matthew 11, verses 16 through 30. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their playmates, We played the flute for you, but you did not dance. We sung a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating eating and drinking, and they said, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for such was your grace and will, gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by the Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me, all all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That passage, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, is often called the great invitation. Our next reading comes from Romans. The sin mentioned in this reading is not not acts of sin, but it's it's the inbred sin. It's the sin that's, that's, that's our carnal mind. And so its disposition is, it is a disposition to reject and oppose God's will. We saw a great story of that in the Old Testament when we considered Jonah. The wickedness of sin is shown in the twisting what is good to produce evil. Hence, that part of us that we just can't help. Romans 7. For I do not understand my own actions, wrote Paul. For I do not do what I want but I do the very thing I hate. Now, I, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. That is good. 
So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what keeps I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My sermon this morning is named A Divided Self. And I told you that the question would be, are you doing what you want? And I'm working from a particular passage of that Romans, Romans, and that was, for I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Romans 7. As I told you, at some point I'm going to get to the mask. That'll be towards the end of this message. But the mask represents something to me of, do I do what I want or do I do what I hate? There is a tug of war within Paul as he writes. And you remember the game of tug of war? You remember how it goes? You know, it's it's two gangs, two teams, two you know kids. As kids, we used to do it in the in the front yard in my house, and we had this big long rope. I don't know where Dad got it from, but we had this big long rope, and we'd get you know one group would be on one end and on one or the other, and then somebody would um, where I lived in Virginia Beach, there it was all clay, so and the grass just didn't grow. So you could take your heel and drag your heel in the clay and create a line, and so the, we would take sides and pick up the rope and pull the slack out of it. And then somebody would yell, go. And we would just start pulling on it as hard as we can. And our feet would be slipping on the clay. And we'd be dragged towards that line. And, you know, then you start kicking, trying to pull it back. And it's like, but it goes back and forth. And finally, finally on one or the other team falls. And then they get dragged across the line. But that's tug of war as I remember it. But Paul's talking about a game of tug of war inside of him. You know, and he's, t- he's talking about that, those, those choices that are made. He says, for I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want. But I do the very thing I hate. I think we've all felt that way one time or another. We usually, almost all of us know right from wrong. We don't always do the right thing. Sometimes we're being pulled using the illustration of the tug of war. Sometimes we're being pulled to do what our friends want us to do. Eventually we're pulled across the line and we fail and we feel bad about ourselves because we gave in and did something that just didn't make us feel very good about ourselves. But we we can be in a tug of war within ourselves over good and bad choices. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans, we do not have the strength within us to win this battle. Make the good choice. Do the right thing. But we can look to God for strength. With God on our side, there is hope. Well, I thought about that. And I said, hmm. As I like to ask myself, what does that look like? You know? 
What does that mean? God is on our side. So the feeling that we are alone in our tug of war, I believe, leads up leads us to failure. The feeling that there's nothing we can do, this is our destiny, this is how we're going to be, this is what we're going to do. I think that that actually feeds into that failure and that tug of war, that choice, the, the, making the bad choice, as they say. The feeling that no one cares about us and our struggle weakens us further. So, the feeling of being alone, the feeling that no one cares. I recall the reading we just did of Matthew 11 where Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. What I hear is Jesus cares and Jesus is with you. And that language of take my yoke upon you, I, you probably, if you've sat in a pew for, for much of your life, you've probably heard the explanation that Jesus is not taking away your troubles. Jesus is not relieving you of your troubles. Jesus is saying, I'm going to stand there with you in your struggle. Take my yoke upon you. And the perfect example of that is a yoke for oxen. Oxen would walk side by side, bearing the load of the wagon behind them or bearing the, uh, the resistance of the plow they're dragging through the field. And what Jesus is saying is that I've got a space on that yoke and I offer it to you. Let's walk together in your struggle. I care, and you're not alone. I hear this often in, in Jesus' ministry. As he speaks to the woman at the well, as he goes to see the garrison demoniac, I see him as set, stepping into people's lives where they were forced by whatever happened, by whatever decisions they made, to be alone. And I hear Jesus saying, you're not alone. Take my yoke, and we'll bear this burden together. I think about doing the right thing and doing the wrong thing. And I think about us and, you know, in life. And, I, and, and you know, there's an there's a illustration that, that I see every day. And, you know, it starts with this mask. So I go out to the store, and this mask hangs on my rearview mirror. And you don't know how many times I've made it into the store, look around the store, and see everybody wearing a mask but me. And I hang my head, go back out to the car, pull it off pull it off the rearview mirror and put it on my face. And it got to me thinking about how often I do see people doing the same thing. And they don't go out to their car. They just keep proudly walking through the store. And we all know why this mask is on our face. It's not to protect me from your germs. It's to protect you from mine. Because we, I don't really, there's nothing that tells, tells a person often when they're contagious with SARS-CoV-2, there's nothing that may tell them they're sick, but they're spreading the germ wherever they go. I'm protecting you. But you know what? It's uncomfortable. Even as I speak right now, it's uncomfortable. The hot air from my, my voice, and it's muffled, and it's warm, and I don't like it. And I want to take it off my face. And I will because I know it muffles my voice. But the thing is, is that I find that that's one of those illustrations of, do I do what I want to do? Because we do want to keep people safe. We do want to make sure that our neighbor does not contract that. As I told you of my church, I am blessed to have a church with a lot of older people. I do not want them sick. I don't want anybody to make them sick. 
I love them. They're my sheep. They're my flock. And so, when I make decisions to close the church, it's with that thought in mind. I do not. They can't control who I've come in contact with. But I can control me. I can make the choice. And it's not a very pleasant choice. There's always pushback when you close the church. Always pushback. I don't care whether it's a snowstorm or COVID-19. I can almost guarantee within a couple hours I'm going to get, I'm going to get a statement from somebody. But the whole thing is that you've got to put that aside because there is a good choice. The good choice is to keep the flock safe. So, but the temptation is, as everybody that knows me knows, I am, I am, an, uh, I am a person that just feeds off the gathering. And to, and to preach into a room where there's no one is tough. It's not easy doing uh, recordings. I'd much rather be in front, of an, in front of a gathering. But to say that is that there's a choice. A choice to keep people safe. At sometimes extensive cost. So I simply say that that mask, when you say that, that's a good point of saying, do I do what I want? Or do I do that which I don't want? When we sin, when we sin, it's like being contagious. Because when I decide to do that which is sinful, that which separates me from God, that which falls short of what God wanted me to be, there is a social impact. There is a social impact. My sinfulness has a social implication. The evil within me twists what is good to produce evil. Whether I take a simple illustration of a mask or whether I take a complicated situation of, of what I, how I conduct myself in the community. It's a bit like I put on my mask but I leave it loose so it's easier to breathe. It's not doing anybody any good. I see it all the time and I've done it myself. The thing is, is that we are divided. We are divided people. There's a tug of war going on inside of us. And whether it's a simple thing of a mask or whether it's a complicated thing of deciding what to do, what is right to do. Christ set an example and teaches us the ways in which He wants us to do. Sometimes we don't dance. Sometimes we don't grieve. Sometimes we do, do not do what we want to do. But guess what? We are not alone. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest, said Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, as we navigate this world and as we navigate our own tug of war, thankfully... We are not alone. Thankfully, You care. And may that be so this day. From whatever struggle somebody may be dealing with this day, who hears my voice or sees my image, that they indeed know. Maybe they too can return to the Gospel reading this morning and gain their own comfort. Because the same Jesus that promised that crowd has now risen and promises us the same. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.